Welcome to Connections Radio, the sound of business. I'm Louisa Wizzy Magnuson, and I'm glad to have your company today. Now let's talk private equity, operational leadership and corporate finance. Today I'm here with Sergio Van Loyk to discuss his business, Cap Expand Partners, the challenges facing the industry today and whether the pandemic brought opportunity or disaster to his particular industry. Welcome Sergio Van Loyk to Connections Radio today. How are you? Terrific. Thank you, Rizzi, for having me here today. You are most welcome, Sergio. So you are the Managing Director at Cap Expand Partners, is that right? That's uh, that's right. Lovely. And would you like to introduce Introduce your business. Absolutely. So I am Sergio Van Lyke, uh, the managing director of Capexpand Partners. Capexpand Partners is uh, really a family office that I took over uh, approximately um, one and a half years ago, with its roots dating back to the 1970s as one of the first. Um, one of the first temping agents back in the days, uh, flexible staffing was a, a novel concept. So this business grew out uh, in, and internationally in the 1990s. It was sold in two parts to a larger recruiting agency. And when I took over the business, my mandate was really to uh, manage the existing portfolio of, of assets, which are you know, real estate, commercial real estate, uh, private equity, traditional stocks and bonds and arts. But the mandate was not so much to invest, although we do do that on a selective basis, but primarily to help entrepreneurs in raising capital, uh, buying other companies, uh, selling their business, and essentially uh, still leveraging our family office network, uh, as well as other institutional investors and high net worth individuals. Uh, And we cater to business owners and fundless or so-called independent sponsors. And where are you based? Where are your offices? The office is based in in Riemst, which is basically close to the border of the Netherlands in Belgium. And we have a satellite office in in Brussels, uh, as well as in Amsterdam. We're a team of six and uh, we operate in a a lean and mean uh, fashion. Maybe just lean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lena Moon Fashion, I like that. Is that your way of saying remotely? Very much uh, so. We were bo- born in the uh, lockdown period of, um, of, of COVID. And in, in that sense, we have embraced the, uh, the, the remote working uh, methodology in that sense. I was going to say, when you mentioned that you took it over and became managing director a year and a half ago, that must have been right in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, that must have caused some, created some challenges and also some, some opportunities. Do you want to discuss both challenges and opportunities? Absolutely. <laughs> I can't deny that. You know, the first couple of months when I started the business, I was really focusing and, and thinking about the, um, the strategic direction that um, that I wanted the you know to to the business to um, uh, to go to. Uh, obviously, uh, as a you know second generation uh, family business, I uh, you know you have a certain amount of responsibility, and at the same time. Uh, you need to be aware of the current market circumstances, where the opportunities are. And so, you know, for us really focusing on 
international or cross-border transactions uh, is an area that we believe there's a lot of potential and, and, and we do operate very much internationally and, we, and the pipeline of transactions that we have are you know, mostly outside of, um, of, of Belgium. Uh, not to say that we don't focus on, on Belgium and the Netherlands uh, or the Benelux, but um, uh, you know, the Benelux by definition is, is, is small uh, when compared to the rest of the world. And, uh, and that means that by default also many of the M&A transactions that we work on are outside of uh, our, our domestic uh, region, so to speak. And do you work mostly, do you work a lot with startups or do you work more with more developed businesses, you know, older businesses? What's what's more of your business? Well, I think our greatest added value is um, what we notice particularly in established businesses. And, and that's you know, typically founders who have been running their business already for a couple of years um, and and. and uh, yeah, basically facing a, a succession issue or too young to retire uh, still want to uh, continue and drive their business forward uh, but require an investor to, to help them uh, and uh, basically these types of kind of, of, of family owned businesses first second generation businesses are the types of of, of companies and, and business owners, so to speak, um, that, that we focus on. And is that the kind of clients that you're essentially looking to build more of as well and attract sort of family businesses, second generation, third generation family businesses like your own business? Absolutely. And I mean, that's that's an essential pillar. And, um, you know, taking one step back, there's still a lot of capital in the market um, a lot of dry powder, um, so to speak, with private equity companies, uh, as well as private debt companies that are looking to invest. And, you know, our, jo- our job is essentially to connect investors with uh, business owners or independent sponsors. So, you know, what we're noticing is that there's a lot of demand at the moment from business owners and uh, funders or independent sponsors, which is a relatively new phenomenon in, in, in Europe, more, more evolved in, in the US. But that's really what we, um, to whom we cater for. And um, yeah, the overarching uh, concept really being to help uh, raise capital to mid-sized family-owned businesses. Can you just explain for anybody that doesn't know what an independent sponsor model is? So <laughs> that's an excellent question, Wizzy. Uh, an independent sponsor used to be called uh, a fundless sponsor. Uh, fundless got very much associated with homeless, so I think that at some point uh, evolved to... Uh, to in- Negative connotation of <laughs> that word, doesn't it? <laughs> So we prefer to use the word um, of the term independent sponsor. And these are essentially uh, people who are either gaining or looking to gain a track record uh, before raising a private equity fund themselves or have had a career and have worked for a large fund in the past uh, that are now independent. (laughs) 
uh, entrepreneurial and um, have certain angles and operate in industries or other or have other sorts of, of specialities or specialties apologies and are really looking to acquire businesses and for that they require cash and part of the acquisition um, it can be done uh, through the help of bank financing uh, as far as the equity component is, is concerned and uh, the own contribution so to speak uh, you know they are looking for backing of other investors as well so that's that's really where we where we help in raising capital for these individuals or groups that do not have a dedicated pool of funds to raise capital to acquire another business and we do that on a deal by deal basis it sounds like a very challenging thing to overcome how do you what are the intricate details of making a deal like that how do you actually because you're essentially getting funds for when you have no funds if that makes sense to to really simplify it you're trying to gather funds and gather equity without any any platform from which to do it how do you do that that's the challenge and, and at the end of the day, the, the niche, we're working on a, on a couple of deals um, and, and this is obviously a, um, very t- often, so, you know, to answer your question, it starts with uh, an agreement between this independent sponsor group and the seller coming to an, an arrangement or an agreement, uh, some sort of he- LOI or heads of terms whereby the principal um, you know, outline of the deal is and, and, and the deal's uh, price as well as the structure is, is laid out and there's a certain amount of uh, a certain period of exclusivity between the buyer and the seller. And that's really where, where we come into action and leverage our investor network to raise capital for this specific deal by running a what we call a competitive process, working with multiple capital providers in order to, um, on behalf of independent sponsors, in order to ensure that they uh, get the best terms for this particular deal within a certain amount of time. So it's a challenge, but, um, but one where we think there's a lot of potential and a lot of growth expected in the coming years. And does it mean when you when you go with that that form of, of raising capital, does it mean giving away a lot of your equity? It means in certain cases, the independent sponsor does not contribute any capital. Um, we've seen that as well, although there are investors that, um, you know, that do insist. In the US, what we're seeing is that this is more accepted than in Europe, where, it's, where the concept and the model is less evolved. Um, but typically, uh, you know, when we're talking about independent sponsors that are more experienced, uh, that have um, you know, cash available, that they will contribute a part of the equity. But essentially, uh, the three components, investing the cash or the transaction fees as a re- reward for the independent sponsor for arranging the deal uh, through to after the transaction's actually been done, the, the uh, management fee for managing the deal and, and uh, adding value. And then we have the exit, whereby the company gets sold and certain arrangements 
are an agreement are made between the independent sponsor and the equity investor backing them. And this does not necessarily have to reflect the distribution or division in capital that was infused at the start of the transaction, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. What are the biggest challenges facing your industry for companies like yours right now, given the news agenda? I think the, 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 the most you know, prominent and the logical and, and, and obvious answer there really is you know, ref- geopolitical uh, issues that are currently ongoing are creating a significant amount of headwind uh, in the markets. At the end of, uh, end of the day, the market in which we operate in, uh, M&A, financing, I mean, this is all uh, you know, very uh, dependent on the general kind of macroeconomic um, you know, developments. So obviously, um, you know, that's, that's an issue. I won't go into details because I think your listeners know very well what's, what's going on at the moment. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, in terms of, of, of consequences, there's, there's a lot of uh, consequences in terms of uh, impact on earnings. Right? Look, for example, uh, to the inflationary pressures that we're seeing at the moment, slow in growth. Uh, in, 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 in certain industries, uh, as well as um, rising prices and companies struggling in terms of you know, <clears throat> uh, basically passing these on uh, through to their consumers or uh, to their customers and to the extent that they can do this, which, which I think is one aspect and one challenge that, that all companies are facing and indirectly um, means and has its impact on the strategic agenda of a company as far as mergers, acquisitions, and financing capital raises are concerned. Um, that's one. I think two are you know, general supply chain issues that we're seeing. Um, look at China at the moment um, in, in its uh, uh, current situation where slow growth is also slowing um, due to due to circumstances uh, there's a yeah obviously we're just coming out of the of the pandemic hopefully and you know as a result of of that what we've seen is that uh, a lot of companies have decided to um, you know instead of outsource insource or uh, ensure that their suppliers are closer to home and um, you know, so we have a, a, a piling up of inventory um, and, and general uh, you know, uh, shortages and delays in delivery times of, um, of, of in- inventories which are impacting uh, companies and the extent to which they can live up to the, 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 the expectations of their customers. To come back to your question, so this is a challenge at the end of the day. And why is this this a challenge for M and A advisory uh, companies? It's creates uncertainty, and at the end of the day, we're in the trust business. We're dealing with other people, and if 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 there is uncertainty in the markets, then M and A in terms of strategic priority, um, yeah, ends up a little bit lower on on the list. And um, so I think that's. You know that that's an important aspect. 
but at the same time, it also means that uh, instead of M&A, a lot of f focus is spent on internal restructuring to deal with uh, inflationary pressure and slow in growth. And, and that's, that's kind of the challenge that, that we're facing, which has its upsides at the same time, uh, which means certain companies, particularly diversified global international companies, are reconsidering, rationalizing their product portfolio and uh, really thinking about spinning off certain divisions that are non-core in order to bring in cash and um, create shareholder value. I was going to ask you about that. Is there an opportunity being created here in the market? Are some companies selling off for cheap, essentially, because they kind of need the cash now? Is there is there a case for that going on, as well as the challenge of a lot of people not selling now and not investing now because of the uncertainty? Are there also a few people that are saying, well, actually, we need to we need to sell now, and then a few people taking on those opportunities and buying buying up while they can? Is that happening? Absolutely, uh, absolutely, Wizzy. So, you know, coming back to my earlier point in terms of of internal focus and, and strategic agendas, very much a precursor to these types of spin-offs um, are, you know, are the strategic reviews that take place within companies. And very often, one of the most likely scenarios is to decide to divest a certain activity uh, given that it's, you know, assuming that it's large enough and, and uh, can stand on its own uh, and, and, and has a management team in place, uh, you know, there's an opportunity there to, to acquire these types of uh, activities as well as, you know, on one hand, uh, on the other hand, you know, generating uh, also a you know a cash inflow for, for 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 the sellers and what we see is that <clears throat> i think there's been over the past year some some 30 different spin-off transactions uh, which have been completed and uh, especially for this for this reason uh, at the end of the day uh, and it helps the 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 parent company to 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 focus on on its core activities, and um, and to 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 allocate its resources to its most uh, um, lucrative uh, business activities, and given the opportunity for the the division that gets spun off to to flourish. Well, it sounds like very interesting business to be in, particularly at the moment with the uncertainty. It sounds like there's a, it's almost quite exciting. What is the most enjoyable aspect of your work? I have to say, Rizzy, that's uh, that every deal and project that we work on is different. Um, it's I'm personally someone who likes uh, change. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. It uh, probably has to do with uh, with with my um, with, with my background and and an upbringing and uh, where I come from from a family, and so yeah, I like I like the change aspect, the diversity, the fact that uh, the projects have a beginning and an end, and I like meeting new people. Uh, I'm in daily touch, especially after. Uh, and accelerated through uh, the, obviously the pandemic, 
you know, one of the positive things is that I speak to people uh, internationally um, on, a, on a daily basis from Australia, from China, from India, from the US, from Canada. So it's, it's, it's that, um, yeah, that I really personally enjoy very much, that variety and, and meeting new people and, um, and, and working with the team towards the same goal and um, yeah, uh, really trying to, trying to add value at the same time. I mean, that's you know, ultimately what, um, what we want to do and, and sometimes we simply have to say no <laughs> to, to certain assignments. Where can we add value? Uh, and and by that I mean, uh, you know, is the entrepreneur, the business owner, or independent sponsor, you know, how how uh, prepared are they for the deal? Is this something where our investor base would be something in which our investor base would be interested in? Um, and and can we can we help them in, in preparing their business case, uh, all the materials that are required in in running such a process? And you know, and if there's a match, then and, and we believe that we can that, that we can be of uh, of of, uh, of value. That's that's really what, um, what what gives me a lot of energy. Well, that sounds lovely, Sergio Van Loyk. Thank you for joining me on Connections Radio today. Where can we find out more about you, Capex Band Partners, or become a client? You can find me on <laughs> on our website uh, www dash expand.com and feel free to schedule a uh, exploratory call always open to um, to meet entrepreneurs and uh, and to think along with them and to see if there's a fit fantastic Sergio once again lovely to talk to you again after our business of episode a few months ago that was great thank you and uh, <laughs> have a lovely day thank you for having me no worries absolutely take care thank you bye